What's up, witches? Hi, I'm Claudia. And I'm Jess. And welcome to True Crime Coven. Hi, Jess. How are you? Hey, Claudia. I'm good. A little bit coldy, but not too bad in the grand scheme of things. How are you? I'm okay. Do you mean like you, you've you've got a cold or? Um, yeah. So I went away at the weekend to judge some cheerleading, and I, you know, when you just you don't feel ill, but I just haven't slept well, and it was a long drive. You sound quite nasally. Yeah, and I came like home, up. and Orla was like, she's picked up a cold from somewhere. She was really like, she's been really snotty. Oh, which is fun. It's just oh, got it's dark enough in her room that the night vision has gone on, so now she looks like demon baby. <laughs> How terrifying is that? Well, as long as you don't start to hear someone singing her to sleep or anything. Oh, uh, that would really fucking freak me out. I might just come and do it as a joke. I might like plant like a walkie-talkie in there. <laughs> I actually heard a TikTok story the other day. Like, it was um, a... F- a made-up one, but it was really fucking creepy about how this guy saw something on his baby monitor and his his is linked to his phone, like, mine, mine is linked to my phone as well. And um, he rang his wife to say, like, there's some... Like, why are you sat in the baby's room? Because it was her sat on the bed with him. She was like, I'm not. He's just come and got into our room because he had a nightmare. And he was like, look at the baby monitor. So she gets up on his, her phone and it's her and the baby sat on the bed and it was a really obviously like they tell it a lot better but oh my god it's really fucking creepy (laughs) it's okay don't worry like you said it's made up so it's fine oh yeah it's completely made up (laughs) but really creepy um for anyone that is wondering if well if jess's um oh my god i can't speak if jess's mic quality is a bit Mm. different to usual um, anyone that's wondering why, it's just because her husband stole her headphones he did. that she usually uses. He did. <laughs> and we're having to rely on the microphone inside the computer. Um, Which isn't awful, but you might have just heard it then. Yeah. It's going to pick up a lot more background noise. Yeah, so um, we're sorry about that. Um, sometimes... Husbands be like that. <laughs> Husbands be husbanding. <laughs> Maybe stealing headphones. <laughs> but in good news, I have spoken to someone on the Tintranet and I am going to be hopefully, fingers crossed, getting a new microphone soon. Yeah. Yet to be decided if it is better quality, but... <laughs> yeah, basically we hope you're not going to get scammed, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? Fingers crossed. You can always ask to try it out before you buy it. Yeah, that's true. Um, We digress. So um, the case we have this week is something that I really wanted to cover. Um, So I sat down, I started writing, and then I just didn't know where to begin or how to go about it. Oh, really? Um, So I tried a different case. Yeah. But then this kept on popping up more and more, and I just couldn't get it out of my head. And I just thought, no, actually, we really need to cover this and I just need to work out how to do it. Okay. Um, because it is really important to talk about. And sure, I believe every case we discuss on our True Crime Weeks are important. Yeah. But this one is different. 
It's another ongoing case. Oh. And whilst it's one that's gaining attention, it isn't gaining nearly enough. Um, as we all know, our media has a way of only showing us what it wants us to see. Yeah. For example, today's headlines in the UK, um, and this is what I looked at on the 24th of January, so a few days ago now, okay. are but as follows. pretty close. Mm, yeah. Um, my source here is the Sky News Press preview of Tuesday's papers. Okay. So the Metro, the Eye and the Daily Star all cover Rishi Sunak, the UK Prime Minister, probing into former Chancellor Nadine Sahawi's alleged tax evasion, whilst the Daily Mail cl- discusses the effects of the war on Ukraine from the perspective of our former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Interestingly, mm. the Daily Express and the Daily Telegraph run a headline about an asylum seeker gaining entry to Britain multiple times by posing as a child asylum seeker, despite being a triple murderer. Now, I say that the last one is interesting. Yeah. Because this is the only headline that even touches upon our topic today. Okay. And no, we're not covering the murders committed by the aforementioned asylum seeker. But instead today, we're going to discuss the breaking news that has come from a whistleblower. Oh, It has been revealed that since 2021, over 200 child asylum seekers have gone missing from the UK. And this is what we know so far. Oh, wow. So were you aware of this, Jess? No. So it's been coming out. um, Yeah. Mostly in the last week, though um, it will, as we will discuss, it will have been known about for a lot longer. Yeah. And... I'd like to point out that whilst this didn't make headlines and it's not being reported on so that everyone knows, um, notice how a headline did run that vilified asylum seekers, or at yeah. least painted them in a questionable light. Yeah. Or that yeah, specific one. An individual who happened to be an asylum seeker and a murderer. Yeah. Um, now, I don't want to sit here and create conspiracy theories. It's not helpful for anyone. It mm. won't help this situation. But it just seems important to point out narratives that are made about asylum seekers and the timings of such headlines. Yeah. And I think it is important to, whilst not create, you know, fear-mongering and conspiracy theories, mm. I think it's important to remember that sometimes we are made to be distracted from certain things. Yeah. And that, I think, regardless of what el- whatever is going on in the world, I really don't understand how on multiple of the newspapers I spoke about earlier, you mm. had Doja Cat and kylie jenner in their outfits on the front page like i don't understand how that is front page worthy yeah. news ever no um and yet, i expect that to be on a magazine maybe yeah and yet what you were saying about children going missing whether they're asylum seekers or not these children are still going missing yeah that should be front page news exactly and so we're going to go into it a bit today mm. um it is gaining traction Notably, it's being discussed in the House of Commons. Good. Um, it's all over Twitter. It's been all over my Instagram feed. I follow quite a lot of um, political people on Instagram, oh, okay. and a lot of my friends are quite politically minded. Yeah. Um, I mean, I often get told, stop making everything so political, which makes me laugh, because no. everything is political. Everything is political. Uh, <laughs> literally, what you chose to wear today has a political decision within it, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Um, I bet I can see that. Yeah, and people... You know, like, when I say that, they think that I'm over-exaggerating, but you chose to buy from a company, whatever company you chose to buy from, that has got a political agenda, Mm. and you're supporting a corporation with your money, 
which is a choice, a political choice. It yeah. has political tr- ramifications, whether, yeah. we, whether we like it or not, whether we're aware of it or not. Even what you choose to eat yeah. will have come from somewhere and that is money going somewhere. It, when you break it down, everything is politics. That's why when people say they don't do politics, I think you do. Yeah, um, everyone does. I was made aware of this probably a week ago. Okay, so not and not long ago, but... No. Um, but it is gaining traction and I hope it continues mm. to. So our... um, Twitter warnings. (laughs) Our trigger warnings this week is that it is a matter involving children. Mm. Um, And we do discuss child trafficking, um, but we only touch upon it. Okay. So, first of all, let's make sure we know who we are discussing today. And unfortunately, some of this that I've got to start with is going to be sort of having to break down a bit of basics. Okay. Um. But it's important because I didn't yeah. really know the difference between a refugee and asylum seeker. No. And a migrant. So, I mean, let's start off by making sure we know yeah. who these people are and what terms are used. So, the terms refugee, asylum seeker, and migrant are all used to describe people moving between countries and crossing borders. And they are often used interchangeably. But there is a legal difference between people described by these terms. Okay. According to Amnesty International, the world's largest grassroots human rights organisation, a refugee is described as a person who has fled their own country because they are at risk of serious human rights violations and persecution there. The risks to their safety and life were so great that they felt they had no choice but to leave and seek safety outside their country because their own government cannot or will not protect them from those dangers. Refugees have a right to international protection. An asylum seeker is a person who has left their country and is seeking protection from persecution and serious human rights violations in another country, but who hasn't yet been legally recognised as a refugee and is waiting to receive a decision on their asylum claim. Seeking asylum is a human right. This means everyone should be allowed to enter another country to seek asylum. And lastly, Amnesty International state that there is no internationally accepted legal definition of a migrant but that they, like most agencies and organisations, understand migrants to be people staying outside their country of origin who are not asylum seekers or refugees. They may leave their country for work, study or to be of their family, or they may also leave due to poverty, political unrest, gang violence, natural disasters and or other serious circumstances. And whilst they may not fit the legal definition of a refugee, they may still be in danger if they returned home. They are also entitled to the protection of their human rights and to have those rights respected. So that was a lot of words. It was, but my main takeaway from that is all all of them, regardless of whether you're a migrant, a refugee or an asylum seeker, mm. you're basically leaving your home country because there is something there that is... It either isn't giving you human rights or is threatening your human rights or mm. you're not safe there. Yeah, and a migrant is someone who may not fit the legal definition of a refugee or an asylum seeker, but they I think that can change. Okay, yeah. I think sometimes with it's with a migrant it's someone who might come from a country that's not considered to have unrest. So yeah. obviously we, we think of refugees come from places such as Ukraine, such as Syria. Yeah. But um, migrants, I suppose, can be from quote unquote safe, safer countries or safer communities, 
but may still be in danger where they come from. Yeah. So now that we've established the difference, which to be honest, I like I said, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, I want to state that here at TCC, we don't believe people are ever illegal. Nope. Uh, like, let's be honest, we're all on some big rock that's mostly water floating through space. <laughs> Literally. And whilst, yes, and whilst we're not so naive that we don't understand that it's much more complicated than that, essentially we're all just people trying to live and mm. trying to do best for the people we love. And a lot of it is down to luck and by chance. Yeah. So by chance, we were born in the UK. And whilst it definitely has its own problems, we're quite lucky to have not been born into severe poverty, though parts of the UK and people in the UK oh, do yeah. experience that. And we're lucky that we're not in a war-torn country, um, you know, and humans have quite a lot of rights here, despite how dire the situation might seem at the moment. It's not illegal to be gay, for example. Yeah. Um, it's not illegal for women to vote or work or anything. You can see the appeal of the UK to someone who was living in a country which is high poverty, maybe is got conflicts going on. And as a woman yeah. or a child or um, a minority, like you might not have as many rights. Exactly. And having worked in a hospital where sometimes we get asylum seekers and refugees, um, they come to us. Mm. Um, I have uh, performed wound care on someone before and they've said to me that our government seems really good. Oh, really? Um, and we weren't able to have a proper conversation about it because mm. of their limited English and my limited... Well, I, I didn't speak any of their language. Yeah. But um, it was quite eye-opening to me that because I perceive our government to be less than adequate. Yeah. And obviously for them, it's a complete 180. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't mean that our problems in the UK aren't important, but... It's, it's just, you know, sometimes it's a bit of a, pers- a different perspective, isn't yeah. it? I believe that those that are dealt, um, you know, worse hands than us deserve safety and protection. Yeah. And that's before we even get onto the UK's involvement in war and arms dealing, which I won't pretend to fully understand and we also won't get into because, as I said before, it's a whole other podcast. Yeah, rabbit but hole. But before you... Yeah. So before you even take into consideration our involvement with um, places like Syria and Ukraine and how we've contributed to those situations. I just believe that everyone should want to keep other humans safe. Yeah. According to national statistics published on November 24th, 2022, on the gov.uk website, the UK offer protection in the form of refugee status, humanitarian protection, alternative forms of leave and resettlement to 17,378 people in the year ending September 2022. I'm unsure as to how the years run because I think it could be September to September. So this doesn't include entry via small boats or other forms of what is referred to as irregular migration. Mm-hmm. With the government website stating that 33,029 people were detected arriving by small boats in January 2022 to September 2022. Additionally, 4,786 partners and children of refugees already living in the UK were granted entry to the countries through family reunion visas. And obviously That's there's good. then going to be other people who arrive, yeah. you know, in lorries. Yeah. Um, and who also aren't detected. Yeah. Since 2021, we know that 4,600 child asylum seekers have arrived in the UK. As told by Robert Jenrick, the Minister for Immigration, and he said this to MPs this week. 
He then added that of those 4,600, 440 had gone missing. And only half had returned. This means that of all child asylum seekers who have entered the UK since September 2021, 5% have gone missing and are unaccounted for. And this isn't front page news. Now imagine 200 British kids travel to Spain, for example, and go missing. Yeah. That would definitely be front page news. Oh, 100%. I mean, we saw the coverage when just one British child went missing, like Madeleine McCann. Yeah. And the coverage and the uproar for that was immense. There's been books, there's been, oh, you know, it was count, front page news for years. Countless um, It still comes up every now and then as front page news. There's yeah. documentaries, there's, there's so much coverage. And yet... So much money pumped into it as well. Yeah, and I, and I agree that missing children should be front page news, you know. But then we have to ask, why are 200 missing children not front page news yeah. and so let's look at what we know and what is alleged to have happened okay so a bit more um information about the system because i feel like in order to know how we end up where we are we need to know what happens before yeah um i also didn't know myself the way in which you become an asylum seeker so this was quite no, I don't. Uh, an eye opening thing for me to read into. Yeah. So, when a child asylum seeker is planning to enter the UK, and I don't know if there is always that much planning, I think sometimes it is just fleeing. Yeah. They, if they have access to the internet, <laughs> they can find advice on gov.uk. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if they're able to. I also have about... been on gov.uk, not the easiest place to find information. I have to admit. Yeah. About what to bring with them and how to enter the UK via an asylum intake unit. The website states that the child must make an appointment by calling unless they have nowhere to live and then they do not need an appointment. Okay. In such circumstances, they can call the asylum intake unit to find out what location they should go to and its opening hours. All well and good if you find this information and if you have a phone. Also, these are not free phone numbers. The call charges range from 3p a minute to 65p a minute on mobiles or up to 16p a minute on landlines. Oh, fucking hell. Also, these are children. Mm. So how many of them actually have their own phones? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine a five-year-old doing that? Yeah. Um, so they've got to not only look up all this information on the website, be able to read it. I guess you can probably get it in different languages. Yeah. Um, you, would, you would assume. Um, You'd hope. But you've got to then have a phone, have access to a phone. And it's not like, you know, you might be thinking, okay, but when they get here, they can ask to use a phone. If you don't speak English, how are you asking to That's, use a phone? Yeah. Also, if you don't have money to pay for that phone call, people aren't going to just exactly. be like, yes, do it. Exactly. So, if you don't have phone and a money, I'm genuinely not sure what you do. No. I would guess you find someone who looks official, probably police, and tell them the situation. But that, yeah, like we said, do you have the language to do so? Yeah. And some of these, you know, we're thinking of five-year-olds, but some of these are like 16-year-old, 17-year-old, um, you know, young boys. Yeah. Who the police aren't going to necessarily be as kind to. Yeah. 
as a five-year-old coming up to them looking lost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Asylum seekers then undergo... So this is once they've managed to get to the asylum intake unit. Yeah. Which sounds like a very lovely place. Um, Asylum seekers then undergo a security check prior to their asylum screening, where they are searched and body scanned, like in an airport. And then the asylum screening process itself can take up to four hours. Wow. Yeah. What do Imagine they do? you're tired. Yeah. You're probably not very clean. Um, you're probably scared, hungry. And then you do all this. By the way, um, the opening hours are not like, first of all, they're not 24 hours. They're also not like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Is it like Some of them are like 9 till 4. Yeah. Like a bank. Never open when you need them. Yeah, exactly. So after the screening, the Home Office will review your case. And if it can be considered in the UK, then it will be given to a caseworker. If your case cannot be considered in the UK, then you may be sent to a safe country that will consider your asylum claim. This may happen if you travelled through a safe country on your way to the UK. Which is interesting because sometimes you see people who are against... um, those seeking asylum they'll be like yeah well they came through blah 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 which was safe to get to us they just know they can come to us and it's like actually this shows that you can't yeah if you say oh well i went through spain i went through france to get here i mean i'm not really sure how geographically you would necessarily but you know Uh, some people do come through france they come from calais to dover yeah um they won't let you back in. They will send you to those countries where you can claim asylum. Yeah. So that's why and they I, come from them. Yeah. Yeah. And I doubt that many people know of this loophole that there is in order to stop themselves from saying that they came for a safe route, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Additionally, you could easily tie yourself in knots being like, uh, no, I didn't go through any safe countries and they asked what route you did take. Like, yeah. You've got to have so much geographical knowledge to not catch yourself out. Yeah. And this is when you're tired and hungry and scared and your language might be limited. I'm assuming they've got translators, but... Yeah, you'd like to hope so. Whilst that might seem like a lot to go through, um, I wanted to mention the process to show that it's a lengthy and difficult one. So I know mm. it was a, quite a lot of, like, maybe telling people what they already knew. So you're not guaranteed a place here. And no. a lot of these people, if they go back, they risk being killed yeah. for leaving. Yeah. If they weren't already going to be killed... And that's why they so were whatever. leaving. Yeah. So I wanted to mention it, like I said, to show that it's lengthy and difficult. And even for me as a 29-year-old woman, I would be so terrified to go through all that in a foreign country. Oh, my God, yeah. Even if I, like, had to, you know, even if just say I went on holiday somewhere and there was something in my bag that I wasn't aware of and I got taken to one side and was questioned for four hours and then sent home, that's terrifying enough. Yeah. Never mind if you're fleeing God knows what, you know, civil unrest or a war. Yeah, um, or whatever. But as a child as well. Yeah. Um, And particularly who we're discussing today are unaccompanied children. Mm, that's so, so sad. Um, and this might be a bit of a tangent, but I wanted to mention um, one of my mum's friends had a foster child who was an asylum seeker. Yeah. He was found wandering around Eastbourne, which is a seaside town in the south of England. Yeah. And he didn't know any English and obviously didn't know the processes he needed to go through to claim asylum. Now, I know he was around 15 or 16 when he was found. Yeah. Um, I think he might have been with his brother, but not sure. Mm. Um, and he was fostered until he was 18 years old. 
He went to school and he flourished. He learned how to speak English really well. And uh, my mum even looked after him a few times mm. and said he was really lovely and polite. Oh, but I also good. know his asylum status was up for debate when he turned 18. Really? I'm not sure what the outcome was for him, but I do know that he told my mum that if he returned home, he would likely be killed for being a traitor by fleeing. Oh my God, that's horrible. Um, I think he fled because he didn't want to be a soldier, I think might have been. So that's just, you know, one one person's story. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there are many others that are, you know, complete replicas. Yeah. So my point was and is, these missing children not only endured their journey to the UK, which can be just a plain journey, or it can mean fleeing across borders whilst being shot at, hmm. or even travelling via a small boat. It's, you know, a massive spectrum. It's not all terrifying and... But, you know, a lot of it is. Yeah. So no, not only do they endure that journey and leaving behind their home and family or perhaps getting separated in the process, um, but they then have to go through this process and they have to jump through hoops and it's made harder because they're alone and trying to navigate the system. Which they don't know in a country that they don't know in a language that mm. they don't know. Yeah. Everything's completely foreign to, foreign to yeah. them. Yeah. They then may be placed in a hotel with nurses, social workers and security guards on site. Mm. However, I couldn't find any information about the ratio of staff to children. And regardless, never mind how lovely all these people may be, it's not the same as having a parent to comfort you. Oh, God, no. And I don't know what the continuity of staff is like either, like the continuity of care. Yeah. Now, Robert Jenrick, as I said, he's the Minister for Immigration has stated that the government's overall objective is to ensure young people were only kept in hotels for a very short period of time. Which is a bit vague for my liking. Yeah. Uh, one person's definition of a short period of time might be a night, another person's might be a week. I mean, it's... How long's a piece of string, isn't it, really? Like, what's a short length of stay? <laughs> yeah, and these are actually... This was only used because we had a... Um, I... I... Uh, listen to an interview um, on Sky News and I'll, I'll come back to this interview and who it was with mm. um, later on. But in this interview um, with a former chief constable of the Thames Valley Police, um, I think, believe her name is Dame Sarah Thornton, she said that originally the reason that kids were placed in hotels was because they had a large influx of small boats coming across the channel and it was set up as a crisis measure to put them in hotels. So it was never meant to be a long-term thing. It was meant to be to fill a gap. Yeah. However, it's now been going on for two years. Yeah. Um, but we'll discuss that a little bit more later on. So new data released under the Freedom of Information Act has shown that, in fact, newly arrived and unaccompanied child asylum seekers spend an average of 16.5 days in home office hotels before being transferred into council care. Oh, wow. 16.5 days. Two weeks and two, almost three days on average. So that means some people spend more. Yeah. That, That's to me, mad. when discussing unaccompanied children in a completely new country, so as we said, they're alone and scared, is not a very short period of time. No. Like, if I go on a 16-day holiday, that's a long holiday. That is a long length of time, I think, personally. Especially for traumatised children to be without parents. What can that do to someone's development? Oh, I know. It's, it, honestly, it's 
so terrifying. I imagine as a mother, it makes you feel even more strongly than it does me. Yeah. And it's not just like, obviously, we've already said about how horrible this entire process must be anyway, whatever age they are. But then to add not having your parents to support you, but also not even seeing them or even being able to speak to them. Or even knowing if they're safe. Yeah. uh, Yeah, you can't, you don't have a phone, you can't ring. And if you fled because fear for your life, you've probably got parents who are also also at risk of dying as well. So just not knowing if they're still alive or not. Yeah. So the hotels where the children are said to have gone missing from are across the south coast of England, with Brighton being mentioned most often in the articles I read. Okay. And of the around 200 children who are currently known to be missing, Robert Jenrick states that 88% are Albanian, 13 of the children are under 16 years old, and one is female. He also said that he has not been presented with evidence that the children have been abducted, and that the government has no power to detain unaccompanied child asylum seekers, but that police and local authorities were mobilised to find missing children in order to ensure their safety. So basically, I think they're often allowed to come and go as they please, um, the older children. Yeah. Um, And he's saying that, you know, they might not have been abducted, they might have run away, which seems weird to me. Like, I don't understand why you'd want to run away if you've gone for this whole lengthy process. The thing to me Uh, that says that they're probably not running away is that what you said, most of them are over 18, um, not over 18, over 16, yeah most of them are from albania and Mm -hmm. most of them are boys yeah now to me that says that there is a correlation like on a similarity in the people going missing which means Mm. that there is a type yeah so there's a they're being targeted yeah so if you had to ask me my gut feeling right now i would say that there is maybe like a gang or something abducting these young men to use them for something yeah and that is exactly what we'll get on to so in an article i found from october 2022 it was stated that one child disappeared on the same day that they arrived in the hotel and as of october 2022 they'd been missing for over a year unfortunately i have no updates about whether this child has been found That's horrible. The same article states that 17 children were also known to have gone missing within a day of their hotel placement. So, again, that makes me think even more that these kids are being... They're obviously watching them come into the hotel and going, that one, taking them. Yeah, exactly. The whistleblower, an employee of the Home Office contractor, Mighty... I think that's how I'm saying it. M-I-T-I-E. Yeah. Um, they're a facilities management company. Um, they've described situations where children were being abducted off of the streets outside the hotels and being bundled into cars. Child protection sources have also stated this, though I have no more information on what child protection sources they are. I'm guessing these are social workers. Yeah, parents. most likely. The child protection source has been quoted in The Guardian saying, children are literally being picked up from outside the building disappearing and not being found they're being taken from the street by traffickers and sadly when you think about it it's it's plausible and it makes sense yeah like in a horrible way what better victims to abduct abduct and traffic 
than children who don't have family members to miss them. Yeah. They don't have teachers to miss them and, you know, say about their absence. There's no one person to miss them. It means that, unfortunately, you then have these very vulnerable, traumatised children who have been through a great deal who are easier to coerce into a car. Yeah. All you have to do is say, oh, um, I'm from the police and we've been told to take you to your new home. Yeah, come come and get in this car. Or all you have to do is threaten them. They're not going to be... Oh, God, no. The hardest people to threaten no. and abduct. And, you know, as, as we've just said, there's not parents to miss them, there's not teachers to miss them, there's not friends to miss them. They can easily go missing. It seems to me as well that traffickers have kind of counted on our government's complacency and neglect of these vulnerable children and that they were right to count on this because our government hasn't acted. There was no one to advocate for these children, no one to kick up a fuss and no one to miss them. Yeah. It's also emerged that the Home Office was repeatedly warned by police that the vulnerable child asylum seekers residing in the hotel would be targeted by criminal networks, which is all well and good... But then why wasn't there a police presence? Why, if there were concerns, was this not stopped before it happened or as soon as it started happening? That's insane. Now, I'm I'm not part of the police force and I know that the police are already stretched thin in this country. Yeah. But it just feels like if there were concerns, someone should have been protecting these children. Yeah. Or they should have been somewhere safe or this should have been stopped after the first child went missing. Yeah. One hotel in particular in the county of Sussex, which houses a number of coastal towns such as Brighton and Eastbourne, Mm. has reportedly seen 600 unaccompanied child asylum seekers pass through the establishment in the last 18 months. 136 of these children have been reported missing, with 79 remaining unaccounted for. So that's the thing. They are finding some of these children. Yeah. But... Not enough. Okay. That's still what... 57 kids unaccounted for yeah like also i i'm i expect you might go into this but where are they finding these children that will give them an indication of where the others are so actually i don't know okay i don't know if perhaps these are the ones that are going out of their own accord and getting lost yeah or try to run away yeah um I imagine when you're traumatised, you don't always make the best decisions. Yeah. Or, you know, perhaps you really are unhappy in the hotel. I, or perhaps they're going to find a brother or a sister. Yeah. I, I don't know, is the answer. Um, okay. But they are finding some of them. The Shadow Home Secretary, Yvette Cooper, described these revelations as truly appalling and scandalous and has called on the government to reveal just how many children have actually gone missing and what efforts are being made to find them. Because that's the thing. This number of 200, it, it's not necessarily accurate. Mm. It could, it's been estimated to be between 200 to 240, but they're very round numbers. Yeah. So MPs from Brighton and Hove have voiced concerns about the children asylum seekers being placed in hotels in the area, with Hove Labour MP Peter Carl describing how a hotel was only given a couple of hours' notice that unaccompanied children were to be placed there and that some of the children he saw were extremely vulnerable emotionally and could be vulnerable to being coerced into crime if they left the premises. 
Despite this, Robert Jemrick has defended the security presence at the hotel premises and the placement of children at such places. Yvette Cooper went on to call out the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, stating that she has failed to act on the repeated warnings of inadequate safeguarding of these children in the care of the Home Office. The mighty whistleblower has also described witnessing other asylum seeker children being trafficked from a similar hotel in Hythe, in Kent, that was being run by the Home Office. Staggeringly, they have estimated that around 10% of the children there were disappearing each week. Each week? Each week. Oh my god, I thought you were going to say like, in the last year, but each week, fucking hell. Yeah. The child protection source has stated that some of the missing children from the Brighton Hotel may have been trafficked as far away as Manchester and Scotland, with one ongoing investigation underway in London being carried out by the Metropolitan Police, who were also a close second to being my true crime case this week, because there was a lot coming out about the Metropolitan oh, Police. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> That was... Um, I, I thought that whilst that's all very necessary to cover i thought that these children weren't yeah. getting enough press to be honest yeah and i like i've said i can't imagine how scary it must be for these children even without imagining what they may be forced to do or take part in even without thinking about the threatening and violent tactics that are likely being used to keep them submissive mm. just thinking about how scary it would be to be in an unfamiliar country where you don't speak the language fluently you have no reference for the location you're in so being in manchester after you know from brighton might as well be a million miles away yeah and it's just such a terrifying situation and these children are so so vulnerable and something that occurred to me whilst writing this is that some of these asylum seekers may well now be 18 years old and this could very well be used against them yeah um, if they are found yeah and then get in the way of them receiving proper care and help that they should have and when it comes to responsibility for these children that are missing, perhaps predictably, mm. the Home Office and local authorities are both pointing fingers at each other and trying to shift the blame. With the Conservative MP, Tim Loughton, describing where the responsibility lies as a grey area. Whilst local authorities are the corporate parent for children in care, including child asylum seekers placed into foster care, it's apparently unclear who has the legal responsibility for the children placed into hotels by the Home Office. Although, to me, that in itself answers the question. Yeah. If the Home Office is placing these children into hotels whilst they await their foster care placement, then surely they remain responsible for them, right? Yeah, I agree with you there. Oh, sorry, that was my chair, not me, I promise. Um, <laughs> I agree with you, like... Yeah. If it's the Home Office's decision to put them in the, these hotels, which was also supposed to be a temporary measure, and they haven't sorted it out so that there's a better system in place. Exactly. Which they've had plenty of time to do. I know it's not an easy job, but it's a job that needs to be done. Yeah, I mean, well, if the government better funded social care, then... Yeah. Um. Honestly, I just... I don't understand how they don't think it's their responsibility. No. So, whilst these children are in the hotels, there is apparently no legal clarity on who are the corporate parents for these children if they go missing, which seems like it was an accident waiting to happen, yeah. and which has now happened repeatedly. But also, it seems like no one cares that it's happening. Yeah. It wasn't until it 
a whistleblower came mm. out that and you know the people obviously if there's a record of how many or some sort of a record then obviously we knew it was happening yeah but it's only because someone's spoken up that it's become more, more of a thing widespread news yeah that's insane the home office have said local authorities have a statutory duty to protect all children regardless of where they go missing from in the concerning occasion where a child goes missing, they work closely with other local agencies, including the police, to urgently establish their whereabouts and ensure they are safe. We have robust safeguarding procedures in place to ensure all children in our care are as safe and supported as possible as we seek urgent placements within a local authority. If that was the case, though, we wouldn't have over 200 vulnerable children completely unaccounted for. Yeah, I was gonna say well that's a bold-faced lie isn't it like exactly also surely the home secretary should take responsibility in this because they're saying that the local authorities have like to find these children but actually you're the ones who've put these children there exactly they're just passing the buck yeah And then on the other side, you have Brighton and Hove City Council stating, we have been actively involved when any child is reported missing and have worked with the police and other agencies to try to trace them. Which is such a nothing statement. It's like, yeah, well, I hope you have. Yeah. It's like, well done for doing your job. Exactly. (laughs) And ultimately, I don't actually care whose responsibility it is between the Home Office and the local councils. Like, just work together then, yeah, find these someone children. someone do something. Because it's whatever, whoever's responsibility is at the, this minute, you can argue about it day and night, but it's not working. Exactly. So even if it is the, I don't know, the local council's responsibility, it's not working that way. So someone needs to do something. Exactly. Let's stop fighting about who's meant to be responsible and just someone take responsibility and find these children. Yeah. But, you know, that would make too much sense. I know. Oh, if only we run the country, hey, Claudia. If I ruled the world. <laughs> if I ruled the world. Um, someone at work did say they were like, I, I think the only requirement for um, being an MP should be that you do not want to be an MP. <laughs> Yeah, because it's always the people who want power who really shouldn't have it. Yeah, and I was like, you know what, I kind of agree with that statement. Yeah. So Robert Jenrick was asked when the Home Office would stop using hotels to house child asylum seekers, but he declined to answer, despite the Home Affairs Committee in the summer of 2022 stating that the placement of children in hotels was unlawful and telling the government that it needed to stop. Mm. Additionally, in October 2022... The Independent Chief Inspector of Borders and Immigration raised this issue again, stating that whilst the hotels are fine as a crisis response to house child asylum seekers, this had turned into a core response which needed to stop. Mm. It seems like, once again, the government were being warned over and over how unsafe and actually unlawful it is to house children in hotels, and yet they continued this practice, knowing that children had already disappeared and would continue to do so. Yvette Cooper asked, will the Home Office now agree to immediately end the contract with this hotel and move the children out to safer accommodation? 
Will they set up a proper inquiry and team to pursue the link between organised crime trafficking and the children in these hotels? Because this is a total dereliction of duty that is putting children at risk. We need an urgent and serious action to crack down on these gangs and to keep children and young people safe. To this, the Home Office declined to comment. Of course they did. Yeah. When asked why the Home Office would not take on the role of a corporate parent for the child asylum seekers they housed in hotels, Jenrick stated that this is currently under consideration. So, Caroline Willow, who is the director of Article 39, which is an independent charity which fights for the rights of children living in state and privately run institutions, so including those in immigration detention and children's homes, Mm has commented on this shocking news, describing the volume of vulnerable missing children as a catastrophic child protection failure which requires dramatic intervention. Caroline said, The risks to children were always substantial, obvious and stark, yet the Home Office, with the assent of the Department for Education, has willfully kept children out of the local authority children's care system and has failed in its duty of care. Had they been in care instead of home office contracted hotels, every child who has gone missing and remains missing would have been entitled to a multitude of protections, including access to independent advocates, health assessments, arrangements to get them to a school or college place, visiting social workers and independent reviewing officers to ensure local authorities are fulfilling their obligations. And like we said, essentially every one of these people they then had contact with would be another person to raise the alarm. They would have gone missing. Yeah. So, you know, that means that they would have had doctors and teachers and social workers just aware of these children's existence. Yeah. Able to help them, able to, you know, perhaps talk to them about trafficking that might occur and what... Yeah, and what to look out for and just teach them, like this is a scenario that could happen to you in this scenario, this is what you do. Exactly. And had that still failed and a child had gone missing, at least then there would have been more people to raise the alarm and to be aware and to miss them. And just to kick up more of a fuss, do you know what I mean? Like the reason that this isn't being dealt with properly is because there's no one to kick up a fuss. Yeah. They're essentially forgotten. Yeah. I mean, I don't even have a name of any child. No. And I did see, and I didn't include it in my research because there was so much. Yeah. You know, this could be easily five hours long. Gotcha. Um, That there are sometimes adults being housed housed in this hotel which aren't the best people. So they might have criminal convictions, they might have safeguarding concerns with with them, and they're being housed in the hotels alongside these vulnerable children. Oh, that's just you would think that you know that's ch- that's child safeguarding 101 isn't it like do not let people convicted of crimes near children exactly it's the same way you know we work in a hospital that has mostly side rooms but when i worked on the ward um you know children under a certain age weren't meant to go into the bays and um, we did we do work in an adult hospital but sometimes you get 15 16 yeah. year olds who are better treated in a in an adult facility yeah um they would be you know they're not meant to go into the bay for example mm. um also 
sometimes we look after people from prisons and sometimes they do have safeguarding concerns um, because of the crimes they've committed. They shouldn't be put in a room next to a child. It's, yeah, they should have If we can room. do simple things like that. Or even sometimes, like, you go in as pairs, don't you, as staff members. Yeah. Like, yeah. It just seems like basics. It's common sense. Yeah. But you can't teach common sense, unfortunately. <laughs> Clearly. Yeah. So where are these children? We've mentioned before that they've likely been targeted by trafficking gangs. Mm. But what have they been trafficked for? So during that interview I mentioned with Sky News, Dame Sarah Thornton, so as I said, she's a former Thames Valley Chief Constable, and she was also appointed by former Prime Minister Theresa May to be an independent anti-slavery commissioner, um, a role that she no longer holds. But she spoke in an interview about how she fears that the male children, um, asylum seekers, might have been trafficked into working on cannabis farms or county lines drug distribution, mm. which I don't know so much about cannabis farms. Um, no, me neither. But I know with county lines drug distribution, that is not something you want to be involved in. It's very dangerous. It's very scary. Um, and if it doesn't put you at risk of being harmed, it sets you up for a life of crime, which yeah. doesn't have the longest life expectancy and it's not a good life to get into. No, I can't imagine the cannabis farms being much better than that either, to be fair. No, um, but I don't know much about them, so no. I can't really comment. Um, whilst the female children or child, as they did say, there was at least, well, there was one under, one female, but... I don't know if there are more. Mm. Um, they believe that they might now be a victim of sex trafficking. Yeah. And just when you think this situation can't get any more depressing or make you any angrier, Labour MP Tulip Sadiq raised the issue of the missing child asylum seekers in the House of Col Commons yesterday, the 25th of January 2023. And when they did, Conservative MP for Stoke-on-Trent Jonathan Gullis replied callously... Well, they shouldn't have come here illegally. I have no words. I would like to point out that Jonathan Gullis is a former teacher who has two children of his own. This man has no idea what these children have gone through. And I found it interesting that when I looked into him, first of all, he backs a lot of horrible things. But he's also a mental health advocate um, who claims that he suffered with depression, anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone, but I feel like someone who's been through that would maybe have a bit more compassion. Yeah. That I but. just cannot even comprehend how someone could say that about a child. He's just condemning traumatised and vulnerable children. Yeah. Like, the, the fact that they're children, they're coming to this country because their lives are at risk. The amount that they had to risk to even get here. Yeah. Like, it's... And then they get here and their lives are still so at risk. Exactly. They should be safe here. They think that the hard bit is over. But no. And yet we fail them. Now, as I said, we could sit here and talk about this all day. This could be five hours long. Um, and the amount of time this has been going on for, why this has been allowed to happen and continue to happen, we could just continue to go round and round in circles but the facts are these as of january 2023 we know that between 200 and 240 child asylum seekers at least 
are missing in the UK. They are vulnerable and likely in danger. That's if they're still alive. And we need the government to act on finding them and ensuring that this doesn't just continue to happen. Because this is still going on as we're speaking now. This is still happening. I mean, yeah, it hasn't just solved itself overnight. No. And this cannot be another thing swept under the rug. You know, big news one day and then slowly forgotten about as outrage quietens. Regardless of your thoughts on immigration and on small boats coming to UK shores, you know, these are human beings who have likely been through more than any of us can imagine, and they matter. Not only Um, human beings, children. Yeah. The most vulnerable of human beings. And at the end of the day, we're all just trying to survive. Yeah. And I don't understand how anyone can condemn people for wanting the best life possible. I feel like... Any parent would say, oh, I would go to the end of the earth for my kids. I would die for my kids. Mm -hmm. These people are no different. They feel no differently to their children. These are human beings who feel the same way for their kids and are enacting that. Yeah. It is just a sad reality for some of these people that they have had to give up their lives to save their children's. And we can't even return the favour and keep their children alive and safe for them. Exactly. Now, I wanted to find a link on how we could help these missing children in particular, Mm. but I personally came up empty. However, if anyone does find, um, you know, a particular way we could, then please let me know. There is also a petition uh, that is calling for the sacking of Jonathan Gullis. um, If anyone wanted to sign that, I I personally feel like it's a much deeper problem than just sacking one person. Um, But... But if you, I will include a link in the description to that petition. Um, albeit, like I said, he is just one one cog in a very bad machine. Yeah. However, if you want to help child asylum seekers who arrive unaccompanied to the UK, you can visit refugeecouncil.org.uk and click their Get Involved tab to see how you can help. I checked and it seems they help both refugees and asylum seekers and they also engage with the government and politicians to work for a fairer asylum system within the UK. Um, I will also include a link to this in the show notes description. And that is all I've got because as I said, there's, there's a lot, but the main takeaway is children are missing. It's not front page news. It needs to be. We need to find them. And we need to stop this happening. Yeah. And the only way that I know that I can help do that is try and give these people a bit of a platform. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought this to the table because I would never have heard of this. I cannot believe that it is going on like in front of our eyes, but we just have had the blankets pulled down over it and no one's reporting on it and no one seems to care. Just because, like, as you said, like, I have a child now. And if anyone Mm -hmm. treated her like this, I, I, I'd go on a rampage, I think. (laughs) (laughs) We'd all have to watch out from an angry cheerleader. Yeah, angry mama bear. Exactly. Um, And that's also the other heartbreaking thing, the fact that these parents, if they are alive, um, are probably thinking that their children are having safe and happy lives in the UK it's probably the only solace they have from being away from them and actually it's not the truth it's not the case yeah 
it's horrible yeah it really is there's no nice way to dress this up there's no I you think, know there never is of our true crime weeks but at no. least sometimes there's justice yeah i think because it's an unsolved one and it's ongoing and a lot needs to be done like i can't even see like last week's at least you could see like the light at the end of the tunnel someone had been arrested someone was being held accountable this one yeah it just seems to be so back and forth like this could go on for another 10 years without anything yeah. changing because all they're doing i feel like this is easily one of those things where everyone go you know finds out about it, it's up in arms yeah and then kind of forgets so it is the one it is the first case that you have brought to me where i've been like mostly gobsmacked and i don't apart from like what we've already discussed i don't really know what to say about it because it it needs to change but i don't know how i can be the one to change that no which is why i say if anyone feels compelled i feel like that charity refugeecouncil.org.uk is a good one because they work with the government and with asylum seekers so it's twofold yeah i think i'm gonna check it out yeah, there's obviously a few different charities. Like, Bernardo's does a lot of uh, work yeah. with child asylum seekers, but they just work with children in general. There's obviously Article 39, uh, run by Carolyn Willow. Yeah. Um, but again, that's broader. A refugee Council was what I could see that was more specific to this. Um, and I don't even really feel like signing out of our usual. No, it's a little bit too happy, isn't it? Yeah, and I, like I said, it's I never, you know, people could say, well, you do it okay after murder things, but at least there's some sort of justice there. I feel yeah. like with this, there really isn't. So um, I guess we're just going to say stay safe. Yeah. Um, Stay vigilant about, you know, like get your news source not just from the papers. Yeah. Not just from um, news websites, it's... It's good to try and get engaged in other ways. Obviously, make sure that it's always factual. Don't just get it from Facebook. And when I say I get things on Twitter, I mean, um, like, fact-check, UK fact-check politics yeah. and stuff. Um, But, yeah, basically look after yourself. Stay angry. Yeah. And like um, Stay safe. Stay angry. So, thanks, Jess. Yeah, I guess thanks. this is us signing off. Yeah, thank you, Claudia. <laughs> so we'll, see you, we'll see you next week hopefully with a happier episode yeah take care everyone yeah take bye care. bye 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 hey guys if you have a ghost story or a case suggestion please email us truecrimecovinpod at gmail.com you can also find us on twitter at truecrimecovin or on instagram and facebook where we are at truecrimecovinpod also, it would mean the absolute world to us if you could rate us wherever you're listening to this right now, be it Spotify, Apple Music, or if you're on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up, click that bell, get notifications every time we post. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Make these two witches smile. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, witches. <laughs>